0: you can also learn more about working with me. Hi, Mindful Leader. This is episode number 23 of the Still Space Podcast, part three of my 28 best tips for mindful leadership and life satisfaction. I've been so excited to go through these tips with you because they are right for from my firsthand experience in my leadership and my experience with my clients. And when I started this series, I was a little apprehensive sharing some of my inner thoughts regarding my past and my present and my thoughts of my leadership in the future. And basically, what I came to understand is that if we can face what we've experienced and grow and learn from it, we realize that this is all just part of our imagination and we can turn it around our neck like a ball and chain or we can cut that chain and let it go and part of the process of doing that is facing some of the things that we've struggled with so that we can release them. When we own them, we can release them. When we're averting from them, when we're pushing them away, when we're afraid to turn around and face them, They just nip at our heels forever. So I'm happy and honored to share this journey with you and that you're interested and that you're following and very proud of you that you're growing and learning yourself. These are the very things that I work on with my clients so that they can have the freedom of not carrying around all of these heavy thoughts that hold them back. We're going to start with tip number 15 today. When we can look at ourselves in the eye and not expect to be perfect, we give ourselves room to be human and walk in the shoes of others. When we try on a lot of different shoes, we become grateful that they're not all the same size. Do you remember a time, or maybe it's now for you, that you're working very hard and you're trying to put on this image of perfection or overworking things because you just don't want to move on or move outside of your comfort zone and do something that really is challenging for you, that's hard. I remember doing this myself. I remember thinking that, well, if I just work harder, this will all work out. If I work longer hours, all of this oppression that I'm feeling right now, Trying to take care of my family, trying to take care of my child with a developmental disability, trying to fit it all in. If I just keep working harder, that'll be the answer. And you know what? That's not the answer. And I help my clients see this. Of course, working very hard helps you get recognized, helps you learn things, but the strategies that got you to a certain level are not what's going to take you to the next level. So I can't tell you how many people I talk to that say, you know, I'm working harder than anybody here and that other person got the promotion. Well, that other person asked for a promotion and created the job description for that promotion and positioned themselves with a value proposition that actually showed the manager how the company would save more money if they were doing that role that kind of moxie and savvy doesn't come from playing small it comes from playing big well how do we play big when we have all this doubt and cynicism in the way we do that by looking ourselves in the eye and saying You know what? It's time to let go of X. Insert for you, whatever that would be right now for you, write it down. What is it time to let go of? What season has passed that you no longer want to drag around with you as it continues to weigh you down? It's hard, but doing it is freedom. I had advanced pretty quickly in corporate America. I was very good at my work and it was recognized and recruiters were calling me and I had a very nice career. But I realized, you know, this is about mindful leadership and a satisfied life, that on the personal side of my life, I wasn't that happy. I had a great family. But I didn't have personal love in my life. I wasn't connecting romantically to find someone, my life partner for the rest of my life. I was hurt. My first marriage and the demise of it just brought me to my knees. So I wasn't sure if I was really ready to trust again. So I didn't trust myself first. And I think when you first come out of a divorce, and, and please forgive yourself for this, if this is the case, if you haven't been loved for a very long time, you need a lot of attention when you finally put that behind you. And I dated a lot of people that probably weren't right for me, but I just needed somebody in my life. I had been neglected for so long. It was nice to go out. It was nice to have attention. And But in the back of my mind, I knew none of the people that I had been dating were my life partner. It just felt good to actually have someone there. And that's okay. Good for now is okay because we have to take care of ourselves. But I knew it wasn't really what I needed. And I had to look myself in the eye and say, okay, Mary Lee, what are you willing to let go of? What can you let go of so that you can actually usher in a good sense of loving, a good relationship? Someone who is like you shares the same values that you do. And I really struggled with this for a very long time. And I worked on it, mindfully examined myself. And I had to admit I had put up a guard I didn't want anybody in too close because I didn't want to feel that pain ever again. And so I was attracting people into my life who were very happy to let me just stay in that space. I'm a leader. I organize things. I ran everything in the relationship, where we were going, what we were doing. I didn't want to lead the relationship. I wanted somebody who was maybe going to be leading that for me, maybe wanted to take care of me, not leaving me to take care of everything. But I wasn't attracting that into my life. So I had to look in the eye and say, you know what? You're not being very vulnerable. You're putting out there that you will take care of everything, you're not really putting out there who you really are. And who was I at my heart, at my soul? I'm I'm very innocent. I'm very naive by nature. And none of that was coming through because I had become very good at putting off the guard. And it took work to tear down those fences to be human to be able to look myself in the eye and say you don't have to pretend like you have it all together. It's okay. And for me, I found that men actually like that. They they liked that I was a little more vulnerable and I attracted people who could be vulnerable too. I attracted my husband, who I am absolutely so profoundly grateful to have found. He's a little bit like me. He can be a strong leader. He's going to win when he's in court. He's very uh, focused and centered and and wonderful in his career. So sometimes we butt heads. (laughs) But we both have a vulnerable, childlike innocence about us. And we love being together. So we found our match by being vulnerable and that is hard but it's also fulfilling because if we don't do that what do you find you find that you're busy but you're numb that you're not really fulfilled you're not really satisfied and I talk heavily about satisfaction because everybody out there is telling you how you should thrive and push yourself and I think just to be satisfied is happiness. To be very content where you are. I don't consider myself having to thrive in my marriage. I'm satisfied in my marriage. I'm very happy in my marriage. That to me is fulfillment. Not looking for what's around the corner. How can we keep ourselves stimulated? We are very engaged with each other. That's satisfaction. We share the same values. That's satisfaction. We sometimes butt heads. That's not so satisfying. But we know how to respect each other, to love each other. And we really cherish what we have. And we have to work hard at keeping what we have. It doesn't just happen. It takes a commitment. But it all goes back to looking yourself in the eye and saying, what am I ready to let go of? And for me, it took working on putting down that guard of having to be perfect and thinking that I didn't need anything and that I have it all together. I don't have it all together all the time, but I'm still awesome. Tip number 16. Executive presence is the ability to observe yourself from a mindful third-party perspective and like what you see. Let me repeat that like what you see. There is an art and only humans can do this or the only species that can do this to mindfully view yourself like a fly on the wall watching yourself. No emotion, no judgment, no anticipation, just observing what you're doing, thinking, feeling, saying in the moment. Executive presence is being able to do that in your career and like what you see. Think of all the highly placed people that you admire. They are not emotional. They're good under fire. They have grace. They have grace under fire. They know how to lead not from a personal agenda. They transcend that. They transcend bureaucracy, posturing, cynicism, They build trust by consistently showing up in their persona, which is trustworthy and trustful and maven-like and curious. They don't have to be perfect. They want to learn. They want you to learn. They want everybody to grow together as one. And your presence, your executive presence, personal presence, relationship presence, it grows Into satisfaction when you are happy with what you see. And that takes practice, which is why we have mindful daily practices such as meditation, yoga, physical activity, things that we do that practice staying in the moment so that when we're challenged or when we're confused or when we're just not sure which way to go, We can notice that and get curious about it and question and challenge ourselves without feeling threatened, without being guarded. So again, executive presence is the ability to observe yourself from a third-party perspective and like what you see. If you don't like what you see, what is it that you'd like to change? What is it that you want? We're very good at knowing what we don't want people love to complain but when we have to ask ourselves well what do you want and this is where we tend to get trapped in victim mentality is that's a little harder well this is just so hard you know it's not fair no what do you want push yourself in that direction nudge yourself to the edge of the cliff you can fly you can fly don't be afraid of that ask yourself all right i'm not sure what i want let me get a little curious about that what's the thought want to think because as we say thoughts lead our lives thoughts lead to emotions which lead to actions let's start with the thought what thought do I want to think to help me find clarity here is it that I'm capable is it that I will be curious is it that I don't have to have everything all figured out is it that maybe there's something I need to learn Let me think about that instead of this is always going to be this way. I can't seem to get a break in the world. When we change our thoughts, that helps us change our emotions about the thoughts. And then our actions are much more productive. Tip number 17. Confidence builds with taking risks, especially the risks that scare you the most. So start. I know this all too well, because when I had my four little children under seven years old and I realized I had to become the primary provider and the sole provider of those children, it was scary. I had a degree at which I could maybe earn $30,000 a year and that was not going to carry my whole family. And I applied for jobs that I wasn't qualified for on paper. And that was risk-taking. I mean, that was risk-taking at its best because I had already had the biggest rejection in my life, in my marriage. So I sort of got over the fear of rejection because I could see how that holds you back and it held me back as well. So I released that fear of rejection and I put myself out there. And the more I put myself out there, the more confident I became. And then I got a little smarter as I... Acquired more and more mindful self acceptance in my risk taking. So I would not only apply for jobs that I didn't meet the qualifications for on paper, I would contact people who worked there and ask them if they would advocate for me. And they did, they could see how hard I was working. I was writing five stories a week for the largest metropolitan newspaper in my town as a freelance writer. I was carrying all of this freelance work so that I could be at home for my child with a disability. I was taking classes on the side, trying to learn new things. And people will will help you when you're helping yourself. So I remember going on an interview to be the president of a hospital foundation on the heels of the largest hospital bankruptcy in United States history, where they needed to raise money to open a new emergency room, an open heart center, and a women's and infants care center. They had never had an open heart center. This was a huge responsibility. And I remember sitting there on the interview and the president asking me, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And I didn't talk about how bad my situation was. I just told him that I found at this point in my life, I'm the sole provider of children and I have to do what I know best because when I focus on my strengths, I'm pretty good at it. And if I focus on my weaknesses, I'll only be mediocre. And here's what I can do. And I told him my measurable key accomplishments. I told him how I worked and trained myself. And he had me meet the chair of the board and they hired me. I went from that job interview to the bookstore and bought fundraising for dummies because I didn't know how I was going to do that job. But I figured I could figure it out. And I'm a hard worker and I would just ask people. I networked. I made great friends who were very supportive of me and I pay it forward today. I mentor a lot of people. I lead volunteer, lead organizations where other people can learn. But that risk taking built my confidence. Okay, so let's go back a little farther. Well, Mary Lee, how did you actually have the confidence to go on a job interview for president role? Well, I drew on previous experience. I had been writing at home, doing some volunteer writing. I love to write. And there was an article in the paper that the local newspaper needed a reporter. I wasn't a trained journalist, but I sent in clips of my writing and they liked it. They hired me. And that billed my moxie a little bit more about my capabilities. I then became a grant writer, etc. But I had to let go of the need to be perfect. And with every risk I took so did the confidence grow. So how does this translate to my clients? A lot of them come to me not understanding why they're stuck, not understanding how life can be so hard, why they've been skipped over, and they feel that it hasn't been fair, and it probably hasn't. However, I help them own their role in how they've been showing up when they are stuck in that mindset and how you can take that mindset and focus on the thoughts that you have been thinking. Identify those and learn to replace those with thoughts that better serve you that then lead to emotions that up your mojo, that up your confidence, that up your self-esteem so that you show up with actions that are hireable and promotable in that space, in the still space where you re-examine yourself You're able to find that core you, that part of you that has been winning at everything else that you've won at in your life. You reconnect with it. It's there. It's already there. We don't need to develop it. We need to rediscover it and refine it. It is there. Again, confidence builds with taking risks. What risks? And write one down right now. What risk will you take today that you have been a little bit afraid to do I bet you can do it. Tip number 18, boundaries are imaginary lines between what you will and will not allow. Start drawing them around your well-being. And What does that mean? How many times have you really wanted to work out, but you didn't? You had something else to do. Or you wanted to meditate or try yoga, but you were too busy. Or you wanted to slow down and make yourself a very nice cup of tea, cup of coffee, call a friend, just to chat. But no, you didn't have time for that because you were too busy. This is precisely where you need a boundary around yourself and all of the things that you're, the thoughts Those thoughts that you're telling yourself of I'm too busy, a boundary around your well-being keeping you from those thoughts that don't serve you until you can identify how you want to change those thoughts. So the boundary that you might put in place is, I have a flow on the go guide and actually if you email me, I will send it to you. Uh, It's a wonderful tool. I give it to my clients. I'm happy to give it to any of you. Feel free to email me at marylee at maryleegannon.com. It's a sheet that you can run off on your uh, printer or copier. And it's fun. It's colorful. It helps you look at your well-being week at a glance. What routines are you going to do today? Is it a mindful walk? Is it prayer? Is it meditation? Whatever it is that you track this, And then you'll notice that when you seem out of sorts, you'll go back to that flow on the go and say, oh, I haven't been keeping that the past few days. No wonder I'm a little bit detached from my well-being. We have to reflect on a daily basis. What are we grateful for? What are we feeling? Where are we growing? And that's what a, a mindful tracking system will do. It just helps keep you aligned with your core. You already have a calendar, right? Your calendar is where you know your tasks are, your appointments are. But this flow and the go guide this week at a glance is just a tracker for your well-being. It helps create the boundaries that need to be in place so that you don't fall into the trap of overwhelm. The treadmill to nowhere, oh, I'm too busy, I don't have time, I have so much to do, I don't even know where to start. If you keep track of your well-being, the clarity of where you are to start will come to you because you feel like you're scratching and clawing and trying to find your way when the truth is your way is right in front of you, you can't see it. If you put the snow globe down, all of this snow settles. Tracking your well-being helps you put down the snow globe so that you can see what is right in front of you that is pulling you that is calling you that is exciting for you and that dovetails with tip number 19 which is lack of time is simply a lack of boundaries between what is on your list of goals and what is not say no more often no is a complete sentence You don't have to make an excuse. Well, no, I can't do that today. I have to take the children here. No, I won't be able to do that. I'm working on this right now. No, I'm not able to do that. Boundaries are really helpful, especially at work. And here's an example of how you can use them at work. Somebody wants you at a meeting, on a committee, to do work on a project that is not in alignment with your goals. You don't own the outcome of that. You may be a great person to have around, but it's you're not having time to work on that because your goals are set forth and you can hardly find the time to do those as it is. So if you're not going to bring value on a project, on a team, at a meeting, they just you know, death by meeting. We just want everybody there all the time. We have meetings on our calendars all day long. A good thing that you can say is, you know, I've thought about this and I'm not sure that I can really bring value here. I see why John and Sue and whoever else are, are there are there because they're tied to this initiative. But I wonder if, and you might insert somebody else's name, might be better in my place because they have more information on this. That drawing of the boundary around yourself at work helps you stay in your lane with what you're focused on so that you don't get pulled out into everybody else's projects where you really can't weigh in that much. Now, granted, if somebody wants you there because you can weigh in with something valuable, that's different. But that's the boundary you're going to have to decide. Do I bring value here or do I not? And is there value to meeting or is there not? Don't schedule a meeting when something could have been a phone call or an email chain. Drawing boundaries around your priorities by maximizing people's time helps you find time to work on the things that are important to you be pulled in conflicting directions. Every day in my work, I get pulled into a meeting or copied on a meeting that's going to occur. And I am always very polite. And I send an email to the leader of that meeting and say, "I've, I've looked at the topic. I'm not sure that I have a lot to weigh in on. I'm not going to make that meeting. But if you want my opinion, certainly circle back. I'm happy to weigh in. So you're always polite. You're always serving. You're always offering to be helpful. But you're not going to spend an hour On a call, on a team's meeting, present in a meeting, where you're not going to bring value. Tip number 20. Goals should have a timeline and a method of measure. If they don't, they are notions. So if you say to your team, well, we're going to increase this next year. That is a notion. Uh, Yeah, we're going to increase this and we're going to hope rainbows come our way and butterflies are following them and there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. That's a notion. A goal is we are going to increase something X percent by doing this by this time frame followed by this by this time frame. That is a tangible goal. Now, of course, we all know what SMART goals are, and we all think we're making SMART goals, but things aren't happening. So why is that? We must be process-driven following setting the goals. And that means evaluating in certain segments how we're doing so that we can change midstream. If you're married to something being the same and continue and continue and continue with something that is failing... That's not going to serve you. If you're going to fail, that's okay. Fail early. Fail early. Be the first one to admit it. This isn't working. We're changing midstream. I think my team is probably ready to kill me a lot of the times because I like to change midstream often. When I see the variables changing, be flexible. Be agile. Be ready to change in a moment's notice. When COVID first hit, most people in the fundraising realm in healthcare did not want to fundraise because, oh, it's COVID. We can't raise any fund. We started fundraising immediately because we need, we needed home oxygen. We had patients that couldn't be discharged from the hospital because they couldn't afford that. We had employees in crisis, patients in crisis, and we were the first anywhere to start fundraising for covid and we won awards for it we raised um, a lot of money we were able to help our employees in crisis so but that was risk taking right oh i might fail well if we fundraise and people don't like what we're doing we'll stop fundraising nobody died or got hurt we were willing to take the risks but we set goals okay we're going to Launch this campaign. We hope to raise this amount of money. We told everybody that all of our constituents were trying to raise this amount. Uh, and as we got closer and closer, we kept them up to date with where we were. And little angels dropped in and and made sure we hit those goals every step of the way. So, but that took agility and it took setting measurable goals with a process and method of evaluation associated with it, and not hoping and settings. well it would be great if this worked out very linearly scripting it down on paper so that everybody knew what was happening and when and oh well if it's not going well we'll aim again and fire we'll reevaluate ready aim fire evaluate again i see this a lot in the workforce is that a lot of leaders are very visionary they have great ideas but the people who really excel and are fulfilled by their work and are noticed, identified, and highly recruited are the strategic executors. That's a Harvard Business Review term that I think is very worthwhile. Be a strategic executor. It's not enough to have vision, you have to know how to get there. And that involves surrounding yourself with the right people and measuring along the way what you're doing, and if it's not working, changing. In order to do that, you can't be married to anything. You have to allow. And how do we allow? By remaining open. And how do we remain open? By practicing mindful strategies in a still space where we can allow the clearing to come our way. You know, this isn't working out the way I had hoped. I wonder what I'm missing here. Let me just take a deep breath in two, three, four, five, hold, two, three, four, five, exhale, two, three, four, five, calm, two, three, four, five. If I could do this again, where would I start? Who might I ask? What resources might need to be there? What have I learned? What do I want to do differently? On my flow on the go guide that I had just mentioned previously, on Friday afternoon, you ask yourself, what's working? What's not working? What do I want to do differently? And you write it down. And from that process, you then go into a thought redesign. What thought had I been carrying around with me that may have been holding me back? What do I want to convert that thought to in the next week? And this helps drive the opening and the clearing that you're looking for. And then on Sunday night, I have you on the other side of the Flow and the Go guide, do a brain dump, a thought download, where you just put everything down that's in your head. Just get it out of your head to help you find that clearing. It's not like you need to do one more thing. You need to clear the dust out of the way. Put the snow globe down, let the snow settle. And when you can get that stuff out of your head, get it down on paper, it becomes much more tactile, much more linear, much more actionable, and not so emotionally overwhelming. So I think we've come to a good stopping point, And next week's episode will be the final in this series of my best mindful leadership and life satisfaction tips. I hope you found something actionable today that you can take away with you and apply and if you'd like that flow and the go guide that I share with my clients and they keep religiously to keep their well-being in track I'm happy to email it to you just send me an email at Mary Lee at maryleegannon.com and I will be happy to send it to you because I want you to have a mindful life and mindful satisfaction Most of you know that I work by day as the CEO of a $31 million organization, and I coach a handful of clients in the evening. Now, I have taken the tenets of mindful leadership and put that into a training program so that you can fast track your career leadership while also balancing that with a good night's sleep, healthy eating habits, and close relationships. I call this program Mindful Leader Satisfied Life. Not only will you have the training, you also get one-on-one coaching with me. Not a group, one-on-one coaching with me so that we can unravel your personal assumptions that are holding you back. You will no longer be unnoticed, undervalued, and inadequate, feel judged and that others think that there's something wrong with you and you start thinking there's something wrong with you too because you're getting passed over for promotions, new roles. No longer doing all the things you hear you should be doing. Sigh of relief, right? With only defeat and the fear that failure is in your DNA forever dogging you in the back of your mind. You'll no longer be disconnected from colleagues, friends, and family, or following the shoulds that make you feel you're still behind the curve and might even lose everything altogether. No longer frustration about habits that show up in terms of snacking, disjointed relationships, vices, poor sleep. No longer making excuses while not actually getting any closer to high performance. So if you're interested in this program, all you have to do is go to my website, maryleegannon.com. Click on the link on the top that says Coach with Mary Lee. It explains all about the program. Fill out a few questions on the questionnaire so that I know a little bit more about you, and I'll reach right out to you, and we'll set up a time to talk, and we'll get you started. No longer will you have to wake up and say, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had. Please remember that I can only take a few clients at a time, and I already have a full book right now, so I'd like to make sure that you're on the list. So head over to Mary Lee Click on Coaching with Mary Lee. Let's get started. I'm glad you were with me today and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website MaryLeeGannon.com where you can also learn more about working with me.